Hi there, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of Stripped Music Diary. I'm Shannon. And if you like the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It really helps the show out a lot. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Stripped Diary. If you're in a band or if you want to send us any questions or comments, you can email us as well at strippedmusicdiary at gmail.com. You're listening to episode two of a six-part mini-series on the band Jawbreaker, where we go through their entire full-length discography, everything from 1990s Unfun all the way until 2002, the compilation album, etc. On this episode, we'll be covering the band's 1992 sophomore record, Bivouac, in detail. And be sure to check out the other episodes and subscribe to the show for notifications so that you don't miss an episode if you love Jawbreaker. If Jawbreaker is not your thing, uh, we aren't dedicating the entire episode to uh, the Jawbreaker albums. Be sure to stay tuned for some news about Van Basement, as well as the vocalist for Prawn, Tony Clark, has released some uh, new music. He'll be putting out a demo this summer. We'll be talking about that. And later in the episode, Eric is going to join me, and we're going to review uh, the Foxing Mississippi Rat Boys show that we went to on Friday night. So without further ado, let's get things started here with Bivouac. Uh, thanks so much again for joining us, and we hope you all enjoy the show. Everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Shannon. And if you skipped the intro for some reason, uh, we're talking about Bivouac, the Jawbreaker album. Uh, 1992 release date on this thing here. Uh, and they recorded this record at a different studio, uh, still out in the Bay Area, but um, a different studio than Unfun. Sorry. Uh, they recorded it at Razor's Edge in San Francisco, this, uh, this record here. And uh, this thing came out on uh, Tupelo and Communion Records, um, both of those labels. And it came out on uh, CD, LP, and cassette. Uh, unfun. Uh, it, well, I didn't find anything mentioned about it coming out originally on, on cassette anywhere. So... Uh, this specifically mentioned that it came out on three colors, on uh, uh, clear cassette, different colors. So that's pretty neat. Uh, the personnel on this thing, uh, same same lineup, Blake, Adam, Chris. Uh, we have some uh, production credits on this thing. Uh, Billy Anderson, Jonathan Burnside, and Mark Morisky looks like Morris guy uh, produced and engineered this record. The painting was done by Brendan Murdoch, who also did unfun and the art direction was done by John Yates and the record was mastered by George Horn. Uh, so a couple personnel on, on this thing here. And um, the speaking of the art direction and the painting, we have another 
sort of animal cover. Uh, if you recall, or uh, if you if you know about Jawbreaker, uh, I mentioned last week that uh, the cover of Unfun has a little kitty cat on the cover. Well, this record is is slightly different, a little a little more brazen, a little more debaucherous. It's a naked woman uh, with uh, a topless woman with a bunny head on, um, and it's like kind of a drawing or a painting, I guess. Um, and so that's a little different than the, uh, the innocence of the, the kitty cat on the, on the unfun uh, debut record for Jawbreaker here. So, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, start starting things off on, <laughs> on that note. Um, yeah, so that, there was some alternate artwork without the woman, um, too. I don't know at what point or when they started using that or why they started using that or if that was just like the cassette. I don't, I don't really know. I couldn't really pinpoint it. So if somebody does know, I'd, I'd be interested in that. Let me know. So once again, we have the different versions of, of the album. We have the LP version and then we have the CD version. I don't know. I think the LP version was the cassette as well, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't remember what I looked up here. Sorry. Uh, but I, I'll read you what the LP version tracks are versus the CD tracks. This is a little bit different here in a couple ways. So I'll tell you what I mean in a minute. So the LP version has nine tracks, uh, Shield Your Eyes, track two, Big, track three, Sleep, track four, Donatello, track five, P.S. New York is Burning, track six, Like a Secret, track seven, Chesterfield King, track eight, Parabola, and track nine, Bivouac. The CD tracks are different because they've included four tracks that were on the Chesterfield King 12 inch. Now, but like, not unlike Unfun, uh, the, the tracks aren't just tacked on the end, like, uh, the CD version of Unfun that included the Whack and Blight tracks. These are like mixed in and it's really oddly placed. I don't know who's responsible or why they decided to go in the direction of putting the songs just like in the middle of the record, but it's, it's interesting to say the least. I couldn't find any reasoning for it. So, uh, here we go. We have, uh, tracks one through five are the same as, um, no, I'm sorry. They're not. Tracks one and two are the same. Shield Your Eyes and Big. Then we have track three as Chesterfield King. Now it's track seven on the LP version. Then we have track four, Sleep. Uh, track five, Donatello. Track six is is a new addition. It's uh, Face Down. Uh, then we have track seven, P.S. New York is Burning. Track eight, Like a Secret. Those were originally in the middle of the record on the LP version as well. Then we have tracks nine, 10, and 11 as new additions. We have Tour Song. We have track 10, You Don't Know, which is a Joan Jett and the uh, Black Hearts uh, cover. Then we have track 11, Pack It Up, which is a Pretenders cover. Uh, track 12, Parabola, and track 13, Bivouac. So those are the two original LP um, closers, uh, last two tracks. So um, I, I have a feeling they wanted Bivouac to be the closer for sure. It's a 10 minute and 7 second song. 
Um, I could see that, but I just, I don't know the reasoning behind the placement. It's very interesting. So, so yeah, there's that. I listened to and took notes on the CD version. So the 13 track version that I'm going to talk about for a bit here with you guys. So I hope that's okay. Um, so I have a couple, couple notes here. Um, for me, my introduction to Jawbreaker was... Uh, well, at, at pretty much the same time, I I picked up Dear You and 24-Hour Revenge Therapy. So I'm a bit younger than the people who grew up with this when they sprang on the scene. And I live on the East Coast, so I was not privy to, uh, you know, hearing the buzz on the streets, um, you know, even as a really young kid, because I, I was really into music as a young kid. It's just... Um, I was still in my radio phase or what my parents listened to phase, but uh, I was consuming everything that the radio and my parents gave me. But, you know, basically I was too young and too far away to know about Jawbreaker. So I retroactively found them and, um, you know, everyone finds bands at different points and, that's just when I found them and I didn't know anything about the breakup and I didn't know anything about the whole debacle with Gaffin Records and that they signed and people were pissed and I didn't know about Blake's vocal surgery. Um, but it all, it all made sense to me later on, of course, but basically I went back and listened to Unfun and Bivouac much later. But before I did that, I downloaded just a bunch of random songs, whatever I could find on uh, the uh, the internet in the early days. It was uh, it was dial up, so I had basically all these random tracks. So I had Busy and Equalized, and I had Shield Your Eyes. Uh, that was the only song off this record that I think I had. I remember seeing P.S. New York is Burning. I remember being like, oh, that's a neat, uh, that's a neat title. But I don't really remember the song at that time. So I don't think I listened to it. So either way, that was sort of my introduction to Bivouac. Now, uh, so that's the most, that's how, like, basically I'm more familiar with, with, um, that song, but, um, I promised y'all I wouldn't try to get too personal, but I mean, it is a diary, so sorry, uh, not sorry, but, <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to stick to the, the fun facts, the information combing through the record, but I thought I'd add that in there just because, uh, right out the gate, this record just feels so familiar to me. Uh, but then it kind of um, tapers off into feeling new and foreign to me. I've, I mean, I've heard it many, many times since uh, my high school age is kind of when I, when I went back and listened to this record. Um, but I, it still feels like new to me in a way. I hope that makes makes sense. So, I wanted to mention as well that um, both Pitchfork and Consequence of Sound, um, the per the people writing the reviews for for Bivouac for each of those respectively, both said it was their favorite out of the entire Jawbreaker discography. However, Pitchfork gave it an eight point eight. Um, they gave, I'm uh, sorry, spoiler alert, but they gave 
24-hour revenge therapy a higher score than that. So I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't pay attention if it's different people writing these reviews or, or what. But uh, the person writing the Pitchfork review and the Consequence of Sound review said that Bivouac was their favorite. And I, I sort of, I can see why this would be somebody's favorite. It's before all the drama of them, you know, maybe selling out is before they really started to get popular, uh, or as popular as they were with 24 hour revenge therapy right before they signed. And it's still dirty and gritty and imperfect and just it's still a lot of uh, punk rock elements to it so I think uh, that's kind of what people are are leaning into and they say it's their favorite also it's very dark it's uh, I feel like it's one of the darker pieces that Blake has written um, in his span of uh, whatever 30 years of writing albums or whatever Um, he shows a lot of uh, inadequacy, frustration, fear of re- rejection, uh, those sort of themes on this record. And I feel like this is Jawbreaker really coming into Jawbreaker. Uh, we see a lot of the heavier themes that echo through Blake's entire career, uh, writing writing these lyrics and stuff. And we hear the bass is is dirtier on this record it's drop d it's it's fast it's you can hear the plucking and and uh frantic like sounds of of the bass guitar on this thing and i really i really like that a lot it really jumps out to me uh the song parabola is super like that it's uh super dirty and, and low drop d bass and um and it kind of echoes the time a little bit. It's it's kind of, um, you know, very ni- early 1990s, but it doesn't go too far into the realm of grunge for it to sound off. It still sounds like a punk record. It still sounds like Jawbreaker. And Blake's voice is just gritty and shot out and really, really great on this thing. Um, something I did notice... Uh, personally, just from listening to thousands and thousands of records, is this thing sounds a little bit dirtier than unfun. Like it's uh, the production behind it. It sounds like almost like demos. Um, they're so they're so gritty, and I feel like unfun was a little bit more polished than this. And perhaps that was intentional, but. Uh, it's almost like if you played these records on Fun and Bivouac back to back, I might guess that um, just from the music alone and the production alone, that Bivouac came first. But reading into the lyrics and uh, the personal matter behind this this record, it's definitely more evolved and it's definitely um, more uh, concise than, than unfun in, in my opinion. So, uh, so yeah, we hear a lot of, um, like I said, the drop D, but we still hear some of the samples that we heard on unfun. I mean, not the same samples, but we hear that sampling that, that Blake does. Um, I think the first song that I recall it, it, you hearing it, uh, sample is in the song Donatello, 
which is track four on the LP, track five on the CD, uh, and it's a Twilight Zone sample, um, which is pretty interesting. And he's talking about like art and, and stuff like that, and hence the name Donatello. Um, and so, yeah, you can listen for that Twilight Zone sample. Um, track five on the uh, LP, PS New York is Burning, um, that's track seven on the CD, has a Christian radio sample um, at the end. So that's kind of interesting as well. And um, then we hear another sample at the end of the record, uh, Bivouac, the title track, the one that I mentioned was 10 minutes and seven seconds. At the end, we hear a nature documentary sample going on. So yeah, uh, we hear quite a few. And um, we also have some kind of like, I don't know, um, similarities, if you will, of uh, future albums. You hear where Blake is starting to come into his own writing, where like he's doing a lot of metaphors and a lot of double entendres and things like that. Uh, Chesterfield King uh, jumps out at me as this, where it's a brand of cigarettes, right? So um, I think he's also kind of calling himself a Chesterfield King in a way, like a sort of like royalty of the gutter almost. And um, you hear him make another reference to royalty on the song, Like a Secret. He says, do you ever wish you could be king? Um, so I feel like we hear that thematically through uh, the career of, of Blake and his writing. Um, we, we hear it in just a Brazil songs. He's talking about being, um, royalty and stuff, uh, on orange ramming dictionary. I can't think of the exact line, so I'm not going to try and butcher it right now, but, um, I feel like he's kind of like self aggrandizing in, in like, a tongue-in-cheek way with Chesterfield King and Ashtray Monument, the, these sort of things. So I, I really like that. It feels familiar and it feels, you know, connected. And uh, I like that a lot about um, about this record. It elicits that sort of uh, feeling. So we have the song Tour Song as well, which is sort of a just straightforward like, you know, what does it all mean? Why are we here? We're playing to like 15 angry dudes in a room for, you know, no money and um, <clears throat> just kind of complaining about being on the road and, uh, you know, kind of a uh, existential crisis, if you will. So there's a sample in this song too, but I don't know what it is. So if you know, let me know. But you know, I feel like this song can be likened to, to Boxcar, which is also sort of tongue-in-cheek. We hear Blake's humor come out in, in both of those songs. Uh, we also hear Blake's humor come out in the cover of Pack It Up by The Pretenders. Uh, the Pretenders released this song in 1981. It was on their record Pretenders 2. And Chrissy Hind is singing about... Um, you know, should we pack it up? Basically, why are why are we here? And that's something that Blake and the band have wrestled with because of their many breakups, their fights, um, that those sorts of things that that we know that. So 
The only line that is actually shared with the Pretenders version is in the beginning. Uh, the the very very first line says, "You guys are the pits of the world." Uh, then Chrissy Hine goes on and you know has what are the lyrics to the song, uh, but Blake takes the uh, he takes the music, same music. So technically it still is a cover, right? And he says uh, in the chorus, don't play busy, imaginary, incomplete, and see-through skin. Drone and gutless, wound and mean guy, equalized is overrated. So those are Jawbreaker songs. Um, and it's it's just kind of a jab at um, his own career. Like, you know, why are we here? What are we doing People are complaining or people are saying Equalize is overrated, that sort of thing. So uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, the sort of negativity uh, and the kind of snideness that comes out on Bivouac here. It's, like I said, a much darker uh, record in tone. So, uh, yeah, we have the strange cover of You Don't Know uh, by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. And I say, I say it's strange. I say it's strange just because I just, at, at first glance, I'm like, really? Why would they, why would they cover that? Um, but hearing this song and hearing the structure and the way Jones sings this, I absolutely understand uh, Jawbreaker listening and being very influenced by Joan Jett. It, the way she sings and delivers these lines, Blake is definitely taking a couple lines off uh, Joan Jett's page there. And uh, I think he does that throughout his entire career. You can tell he was a fan and he kind of grew up listening to Joan Jett. So that's pretty neat uh, to come to that realization and come full circle on that where you're like, oh, why in the world would he, um, you know, cover that? But then you, then you see and you understand that, that that makes a lot of sense. So, um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much all the notes I had, except for one last thing that I want to talk about here. So let me just make sure that I, uh, covered everything. Oh, I didn't mention, um, a bivouac is defined as a temporary camp without tents or cover uh, used, especially by soldiers or mountaineers. So in case you didn't know what a bivouac is, my, uh, partner in crime here, Eric, he was playing, he was playing Pokemon Go and, uh, it said something about there was a bivouac ahead or something like that. And we were like, well, is this a jawbreaker reference? And no, we, uh, we looked it up and we realized it's a, it's actually, it's a thing. It's something different, but it's not something you hear in everyday lexicon. So it was pretty interesting. (laughs) So yeah. Um, and Lastly, in the little, in this little jawbreaker rundown, I have to mention the song Bivouac one more time. It's my favorite song on the record. And I, I mean, I don't, I'm not usually one for like really long songs, but I, I love this one. And I felt at first, um, when I was trying to evaluate why, um, I was, tr- I really felt like maybe it was because it has that like slow, deep sadness, like the song, um, Jet Black or, 
uh, ache off Dear You. And um, I, I just couldn't pinpoint it. But then I realized that the like intro music to this song is super similar to the intro music on the song See an Anemone. Uh, see an enemy. There we go. On uh, on the album Orange Rhyming Dictionary, which is a Just to Brazil album. So um, before we segue into uh, the music news and and uh, and things on this um, on this bivouac record here, I wanted to play like a side by side comparison, and it's loosely similar, I think. So I'm going to play a little bit of bivouac here first for you. And here's the intro to See an Enemy. Just to be clear, I'm not hating on that at all. I freaking love it because it makes all of Blake's work just feel like home and I love that so much. So yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to our little jawbreaker segment. And uh, I think we have a little bit of news for y'all here. Um, let me see. I mentioned before basement has a new track, uh, stigmata. Uh, it's really great. Um, like I said, I think a couple episodes ago, basement has a new record out, uh, their first on fueled by ramen. It's going to be out October 12th. So check that out, head over to YouTube or iTunes or wherever you listen to music and check out their new song. It's really great. And also I'm really excited about Tony Clark from prawn releasing some, uh, some solo stuff. I don't know what's going on with Prawn. There haven't been any announcements or anything. I think he's just doing a solo side thing. So that's cool. Uh, and he's released two songs so far. And uh, I'm going to play a little bit of uh, the song Chairlift for you. Um, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, Chairlift. Um, it's really great. So we're going to play a little bit of that here for you now. You were waiting on the porch. I was smoking my goodnight friend Couldn't wait to get wasted with me Get out of your head
Hey, so Eric's here now. Hey, y'all. I found him. You did. <laughs> um, we're gonna... I've been hiding this whole time. And I was like waiting to bring him and didn't think uh, you were going to come, but nope. here we uh, are. Here we are. Uh, we, we went to see a show on Friday. It was Friday, right? No, it was Sunday. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I said Friday earlier in the in this no. show. Well, shows are generally Friday, so that's not... True. You're not and you had off Friday. yesterday, kind of threw me off uh, for which hotelity? Rosh Hashanah? Uh, y- yes, or I Ra- think Yom it's either Kapoor? that or Yom Kippur, one of the two, whichever one comes first. Uh, well, that threw me off, so oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's my no excuse, and, is, so. <laughs> and I'm sticking with it. It's Tuesday, I know that, because that's when I release my episodes, oh, so. there you go. Uh, anyway, we went to see Foxing, uh, Kississippi, and Rap Boys. Yeah, we on did. Sunday. At the Social in Orlando. It was a sold-out show. Yeah, which is really rad. I, I've seen boxing before and it was sold out i mean it was not sold out and mm. it was quite a drastic difference to see a packed house uh, as opposed to a um moderately packed crowbar in, right. in tampa so that Which was really neat. pretty similar venues yeah they are they yeah, are i like crowbar um, a little better although they did update the social so that like with new yeah. floors and stuff so it's a little nice it doesn't smell like piss but there's still that much. like really sketchy like hallway where the bathrooms are that's kind of like a creepy maze mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for some reason there's like walls where there like shouldn't be a wall really, but, and you're just like, wait, which way did I just go? I, I don't know. I felt like I was like constantly, like when I was there waiting for you, I felt like I was being told no constantly by every girl who walked by as if like <laughs> I was, I didn't do anything, but I just felt like they were looking at me as if I was being a creep because that area is so creepy. Yeah. And like the lights are like flickering. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they are, but they probably are. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Um, I mean, I like, I like the social though. I do too. Um, that being said, uh, I want to, uh, I want to preface this, um, this show review, this show spotlight, uh, by saying, uh, thanks so much. And, and, uh, we really appreciate everything top shelf records, uh, oh, yeah. does for us. And they, uh, we just want to give them a, a shout out here. Um, it's rat boys label, but they've been putting out some really cool stuff. Um, they have some pre-orders for the band doe D O E, as well as a new EP by toe, which it made me oh. laugh that they like that. Those are the two newest stories yeah. on there, but, uh, yeah, check those <laughs> bands out. It's kind of like, um, like bedroom pop, dream dream pop stuff. It's pretty cool. Just if you if you haven't heard t- anything off of Top Shelf, just go check them out. The, I'm I'm a very big label guy, like a brand loyalist. So like they are one of the the labels that if I hear that a band's on them, sight unseen or sight unheard, you'll or, check it or, out. Music unheard or whatever the phrase is. Uh, yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll totally do that. I was actually talking about that in the last episode or maybe the one before this, uh, before that, in the last two episodes, I was talking about like people finding music and how, how they find music and consume music. And, um, I brought up the fact that, uh, you, you'll just look at a label and you'll just check it out based on whatever label. Oh yeah. And well, it's like people used to do that a lot in the old school, but not, oh, yeah. not as much anymore. I still do it. So my mom collects little golden books and the spot on those if you'll remember are like kind of foil looking like they're shiny and they're usually gold sometimes it's worn off and silver or maybe it is just silver it could be yeah. there's a variety of them but they've been making them for like ages um but she's like super into them so when we go thrift thrift thrifting or thrift store shopping whatever you want to call it we uh we'll go look at the children's books and see and you're looking at the spine you know we're looking for the spine and then 
I started looking at the bigger books and you could they don't have the same gold thing on the on the spine but they have different logos and so you start to get familiar with all the different brands and then i realized i'm doing the same thing up for books that i do in records yeah like all the different um eras or iterations of the like the little golden book or mm-hmm. whatever yeah but, like but like you know on spines of cds and records you'll have like the um that era's like label for well, yeah like i remember tooth and nails was like tnd and i think polyvinyls is prc or something like that so, yeah it is because so, polyvinyl record company right so if i'm digging you know crazy dig and then i'm like looking for those designations and I'm, i realized that i'm doing it now with like my mom's <laughs> little golden so, books yeah. there you go but anyway so, i forgot how we got here oh but, we were oh, talking top about shelf. top shelf yeah. and like i i'm just a long standing fan of theirs i have a pianos become the teeth tattoo uh they were on top shelf till 2014 i believe but they signed to epitaph um but um a, a lot of my favorite bands are on top shelf. I really love the band Field Mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really, really great. Prawn. Um, yep. I, I mean, I just played that Tony Clark song. So, uh, yeah, Slingshot Dakota, really great bands on, on the label. So check them out. Want to give them a shout out. And I've been following Rat Boys for uh, a little under a year now. Mm-hmm. And um, I hadn't seen them. So I was most excited to to see them and I'd seen Foxing before. Um, I think I mentioned on, I think it was last episode you were on where we were talking about the new, the new Foxing and that thing is a new, is, is basically a piece of art. It's, it is so intricate and so just well done. And uh, it's almost too much to digest. Sometimes. <laughs> it's not just an easy listen, that yeah. thing. I've warmed up to it a lot since seeing them the other night, but, um, well, and yeah. you've seen them before, right? Yeah. yeah but not on it. this record. This near my God is, um, well, well I remember a heavy record. <laughs> I remember whenever, um, that they opened for brand new, like all my friends went and saw them and mm-hmm. were like just gushing about them. Yeah. And, um, and so they, and it's one of those things where it's like, you feel like you're sub. So you're supposed to like this band mm-hmm. because everyone else that you know and, and appreciate and, and, and value their opinion does too. Yeah. But it just never clicked for me. Like I could, as a, as a musician and stuff, I could look at it and be like, oh, this is a good band mm-hmm. and these are good songs, but I'm not, it didn't hook me in yet. Yeah. And, uh, I, I kind of feel the same way about, um, Kississippi. Right. That, uh, I feel like they're a really good band and you should definitely see them and check them out. Uh, but there's, they still haven't like clicked for me yet. Same here. Yeah. Maybe not a bad thing. It's just that I just haven't found the right, there's so much music to be listening to. Yeah. And, those are two bands that, you know, I've seen Kississippi twice and I still, I've got a little bit more closer to that point where I'm starting to appreciate it a little bit better, but I definitely recognize that they're a great band, but, uh, but Foxing the same way, except this is the first time I saw Foxing and their character and demeanor on stage and just their, their performance and how they were just as people seem to really endear themselves to me. And that's one thing that I'm starting to realize now as I'm getting older, that I appreciate a lot more in musicians is like how they are as people. Like it it makes me, I guess that's the whole thing with like seeing a band live is that you get to experience that. Yeah. You get a feel for their personality. Right. And so like that really helped me to get a lot closer. Like I'm real, like I've had the songs stuck in my head just from hearing them live, which is very Mm -hmm. strange. 
Yeah, but, they yeah. It, it really resonates with you like for days, like seeing them. And um, I'll get into it a little bit more um, in a minute. But I wanted to mention we saw Kississippi open for Dashboard Confessional. And this is a band. Uh, yes. And we went for Beach Slang. Um, we have that episode. We have an mm-hmm. episode 20 years of Dashboard Confessional, but it's pretty much just a love letter to Beach <laughs> Slang. Uh, we, I don't know, you can listen to that episode if you want, but we, we like Dashboard, but I think mm-hmm. we've kind of just gotten it out of our system like we just digested it yeah and i think, that's I think it. we covered that pretty well on yeah that so um n- no nothing wrong with it no problems just that's it is what it is so we were there um you know with uh we were excited to see beach slang and here is this uh this band kississippi and they're they're newcomers they they've released two albums i believe they had they were touring on a new album called Sun- sunset blush and I really like the song Cut Your Teeth. I think it's a great song. It's catchy. It gets stuck in my head. But the other songs, like uh, like you said, I just, I can't, get, I, like, maybe I need to wait. Maybe, like, their next record, I'm just going to, like, fall in love with them and be like, oh, I get it now. Like, I just, it clicks for me. But all the markers are there, you know, that for, for me, for a band that I would like. But oh, they, yeah. they just don't... Um, I don't know. They don't like. They haven't gotten their claws into me yet. However, we do have a friend of ours, uh, Emily. She loved them. Yeah, right totally out the gate. Cli- yeah, it totally clicked for for her, and that's awesome. That is so awesome. I was just like so excited for her for that because she just like went up to the the singer lady and uh, wanted a picture. She had never heard them before mm-hmm. at the uh, at the dashboard show. She was really blown away. And then the days after, she was. You know, posting on Instagram how how much she loved the sunset sunset blush. So right. I love when that happens. Oh, I do too. And so yeah, like, but I'm in the same boat as you. I think a lot of it is is that we've been listening to a lot of bands that sound very similar to mm-hmm. their style of music. So we're kind of like in a in a deluge of that genre of music. Yeah. And, uh, so it, it's probably not giving them a lot of their due credit. However, I will say though that if you like lady singers that in like the indie pop kind of like softer kind of stuff, then you you should definitely check them out. Yeah. Cause if you don't have a, too much of that on your radar, then they might be uh, a good fit for that. Yeah, and oddly enough, they um they don't they're not on any label I've ever oh, recognized. Yeah. They're on a really weird British label that uh, is that's who put out Sunset Blush and that uh, uh, was it. What's his name from Get Up Kids? Matt Matt Pryor. Matt Pryor put out something, and that was the only band I recognized on the label, but. Um, other and, than that, they and just, that might even have been just a distribution. Thing, yeah, so. and I don't know, like, yeah, it was just like some British label. So they're pretty much, um, you know, not don't really have a, a label. If if they don't get signed off of this tour, I'll, I'll be very surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised that nobody uh, stateside has has snatched them up. They're out of Philly. They're not. They're not British. So uh, it's pretty interesting. So yeah, uh, we we got there. This was an early show. Um, <laughs> I know, like, uh, people, I don't think too many people are really upset about it. The only thing I saw the bands posting, um, was like, 
oh, this is weird. Uh, the venue wants to kick us out right after, so make sure you buy merch, you know, during the show and uh, before we play and stuff because we have to pack up and leave immediately after because what the uh, the social and the Beecham in Orlando do is they double book. They'll do like a club night after. And I think it's because a lot of people in um, uh, that go to these kind of indie shows don't drink. They're, yeah. they're underage. Yeah. So I think in order to, you know, make up uh, liquor sales and uh, to so their bartenders can make money, they they double book and put these, uh, you know, because they're clearly making money off of a sold out show, but the bar's not making money. Right. But it's surprising to think that they would do this on a Sunday night. However, mm-hmm. though, while waiting in line, uh, there were still a ton of, you know, people that are your average riffraff of... of uh, people that would be going to clubs and stuff like that which there's nothing wrong going with that. to the but, club but but on a sunday night i'm like yeah what are they doing hard. uh so i mean hospitality people who don't um you know they may have monday off or oh, they don't true. they don't work until dinner shift monday night or something oh, you know makes sense yeah but i love it i love the fact that the the, the early i think every place should do this because i know we're getting older and it's like I think there's so many things to do now that back in the day you had nothing else to do, so you wanted to stay out. Yeah, like, and that you wanted that to be your whole night. Right, and now I'm like, I want to go do this, but I also want to go hang out with my friends, get some food, and then be in bed by like 11. Yeah, and I, I and we were talking about how it's, it's not even really because we're like getting older. I feel like the demographic for some of the shows, like when we saw Minus the Bear, it was super early too. Mm-hmm. Um Doors were at like five thirty. Uh, the doors were at six for this show, um, you know. And I'm like, oh well, the demographic for minus the bears, you know, a bit older. Then we found out they were doing a club night after. But I think that you're right. It's like you know, people they want to do other stuff. Like there's so much stuff to do. And honestly, I, a lot of people live in Orlando. But I've said this time and time again. I feel like when there is a show from. Uh, in Orlando, people are traveling. We, you know, we, oh, yeah. and it's not just because, oh, we travel. So I have that perception. I feel like, you know, people are coming from Winter Park, um, you know, the, all these areas on, on the outskirts of Orlando, because downtown Orlando, there's not, it's not like downtown Tampa or downtown St. Pete, where there's a lot of um, complexes or apartments and stuff right there. Like, people are, are coming from different areas. Like, even if it's, you know, 10 minutes outside of Orlando, like, no one lives directly there, like, right there. Yeah. They, I mean, maybe close, but people are traveling. So it's kind of like, you know, they want to they wanna get back to what, what they're doing, you know, so. And if I, yeah, if I know that I can be home um, around 11 after going to a show in Orlando, then yeah, I'm more prone to be going to. And that. our drive is almost an hour; it's like forty minutes or yeah. so. So, and it's a really boring drive. Yeah, it's nothing. It's like you know, the middle of the state, and um, we. I when I lived in St. Pete, it was an hour and a half drive, and it's just it's pretty brutal. It's not not a great drive. I four is one of the most dangerous uh, high stretches of highway at night. It's, there's not really not anyone on the road coming back at 10, mm. 11 o'clock at night, but it's just all farmland and, and it's, it's boring. It's really weird. Like if you don't live here, you don't get it, but they have these speakers like right as soon as you get onto the interstate that plays Kenny Loggins, uh, danger zone. 
like nonstop. <laughs> and so you, just to let you know that you're what you're getting into. No, that is not true. But uh, yeah, so we get there. Six, it's, it's six o'clock. You know, it's, it was about to rain. But um, when we got to the uh, the show, when we went to Orlando to see Minus the Bear, you know, it's still like early evening it's so crazy to go to a show that early but i yeah i love it so much so we actually got there at doors which i haven't done in a long time uh because we wanted to see the openers and and uh i didn't i didn't want to miss them so well it was weird because we had thought that um being that we had just seen kississippi uh opening for dashboard that they might be you know the second band to play yeah and rat but, boys be first right so we were trying to make sure we got there in time to see rat boys but uh thankfully for us i mean you know we had plenty of time because Mississippi was playing first so mm-hmm. you know not that we didn't want to see them too but you know we'd already yeah. seen them so it was kind of it kind of worked out and uh, it was really nice especially with a sold out show um i know if you've if you've been to a million shows or even if you haven't it's just really daunting like when you walk into the sold out room and it's so crowded and you have to like, you know, wedge your way past people and stuff. I like to get there early. Um, and I think I'll, I'll try to do that whenever I, whenever I can, unless I really don't want to see the openers, but I, I, it was so much more comfortable to get there early, you know, find a, a decent spot, Mm -hmm. get your, you know, uh, your merch on that sort of thing, get your bearings, go to the restroom before a million people are there. Um, so I really enjoyed to get there early and, uh, in that aspect too. So we got a little spot, um, on the stage left on the, the socials kind of has a, like a down, like a pit area almost it's down like two stairs. And then the rest of the venue is like, um, up, up on a, like, I don't know, I don't know. It's on a riser. I don't know how I explain that. (laughs) Well, basically you walk in, there's the bar on the right and then you go down a couple of steps and then there's the pit area and then the stage. Yeah. So we were up on the, edge of the stairs so we can kind of have like a little vantage point and and see over the people who are below Mm -hmm. um and so we watched we watched kississippi there and then um since we were mainly there to see rat boys or at least i was i mean Mm -hmm. you were there for everything just you were there for the ride (laughs) Uh, hang out with me (laughs) um yeah so um you know i hadn't seen them so i wanted to get closer so we went down in the little in the pit area and you know just to, we really wanted to support them i've been listening to them a lot and they're they're pretty different their audio tree live is really cool they talk about their love of uh of uh pop country music <laughs> yeah that's one thing i really enjoyed and i wanted to try to talk to them about it but then i get a lot of social anxiety sometimes talking to people but um where someone has three podcasts <laughs> no i have no problem talking it's just talking to somebody when they're on their job basically That's yeah you don't talk to bands as much it's weird because it's like reversed when we go see bands like i my my anxiety is like i i get all like kind of hyper and mm-hmm. sometimes i talk a lot and um and I get a little nervous and and just i don't know say a bunch of nonsense but i'll i t- i do go right up to people and just start talking but you don't want to talk to anyone right. but uh <laughs> i was going to talk to them about them uh representing the dixie chicks on their uh, audio tree because it's it's uh because not i i hate when people are very dismissive of particular genres of music just because they don't either like it or it's not their their style or whatever because almost every genre of music has 
some sort of integrity or some sort of like value to it. And uh, not everything is just uh, pithy or, or just trite. And what was funny is, is that the uh, the host on the audio tree, uh, she kept referring to like a lot of folk music, saying that she heard a lot of folk music in their stuff. But I, th- this is the way I interpreted this whole this the whole um, YouTube video. But then it seemed like they were countering and saying, "Yeah, it's not necessarily. There's some folk, maybe, but but it's more of the uh, the the con- the pop country." They were reiterating that it was they they really like the pop country. Uh, I mean, maybe they they do enjoy the folk, but the, at that point in time, they were they were talking mm-hmm. about listening like, to wide open spaces on the way to uh, South by Southwest. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that's that's awesome. <laughs> and they were so. talking about Shania Twain and stuff. So because yeah. there's a lot of that that I love. Uh, ironically um mm-hmm. but then there's a lot like i actually really enjoy a lot of the dixie chick songs but mostly because um and i like pop country a lot because country music can get sad very fast very quick and in a lot darker way than you would think and it's it's really neat sometimes how that happens yeah but, and, uh, for a band who i mean they're not just they, i mean maybe they like uh Shania Shan- twain and dixie chicks like surface level like it's ironic or gimmicky but um when you get down to it and you listen to rap boys you hear that their guitars are very twangy and uh, i hear a lot of like mm-hmm. um country influences in it and th- but that's about as country as i'll get yeah. um but uh they um yeah they they have kind of a, an interesting sound as well as uh, the style of writing they write very biographically and well well i don't know i think there's a there, there's two sides of it there's autobiographical and then there's not yeah they have some stuff that's definitely you know she's talking about her sister and and, and things like that and, and her a couple cat of elvis yeah, yeah. And, that. and that was really cool and uh but then she also talks about how um at the show and then on the audio tree as well she talks about how she uh will just like you know randomly do a search on on uh, wikipedia and then write a whole song about uh, something she reads about yeah these and, tour like a tourist who got lost and he had to find his way back to australia mm-hmm. um and yeah it's it's really um, that's really neat it's something neat. that like you don't see it as much of you if you do you don't recognize it in this a, genre in a lot indie. of people don't really talk about it so much because i kind of identified a lot with her and i, I don't know if you picked this up but it seemed like the band gets kind of i could be projecting a little bit because my bands get sick of me talking on stage but she likes she seems like uh so, the singer seems like someone who likes to to talk about these songs and um mm-hmm. i i do the same thing with my songs and uh they were kind of giving her like a little bit of grief for do for you know t- talking too much and making things seem awkward or something. But I loved it. I was like, yeah, I want to hear more about what she's what her inspiration was for writing these songs. Yeah, I and, love. And she was kind of like uh, even like recognizing that uh, what she was saying was like awkward and she was kind of talking herself into a corner, but like laughing about it. And I I loved it. It was like she was having her own banter with herself oh yeah and i i love that it, <laughs> yeah. and that's one thing that will endear me to an artist like almost immediately and that and that's one thing that they did really well and the thing i noticed too is that i loved her pins because she had a william shakespeare pin 
on her on her uh, guitar strap. Mm-hmm. And I think she had. I couldn't see it very well, but I think she had. Remember the Garfield um, uh, window suckers that were. Oh on yeah. Cars? <laughs> she had one of those on her pin. And, or on her strap, but she had something else I forget. But the other cool thing is, is that she doesn't play with a pick. Yeah. And that kind of breaks my brain a little bit. Because, like, I get playing acoustic guitar without a pick, but electric guitar, I mean, I've done it, and it's not like the, you know, is it's not as crazy as I'm making it sound. But it's just something you don't see very regularly. And uh, so that was kind of neat, the way that she plays. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, going back to what you said about the Shakespeare pin, um, it kind of, I don't know this for certain at all, but it seems like maybe maybe she reads a lot and that's where she's getting some of these stories from. Oh, that's totally how I, I took that. Yeah, because so. uh, that song where she's singing about the, the guy trying to get back to Australia and, like, he's he was, like, lost in the wilderness or something. I, I, I can't remember, but it's, um, it's a narrative, so you can check it out. It's called Crying About the Planet. Um, they played nine songs and it was a really good mix. Um, I kind of wish they would have played an old song called Bugs with an exclamation mark, which I, I love that song. But Didn't the shirt you get have bugs on it? Yes. I uh, I got a shirt at the show and it um, just says Rap Boys at the top and then it's all different bugs <laughs> um, on, the, on the shirt. It's really cool. Uh, top Shelf has it on their website. Right now it's sold out and it, they have it in gray, but you can put... Um, you can put your email and, and, and they'll notify you when it's available. But they have a ton of stuff. Um, they have they released some EPs recently. Um, one's called GN and then the other one's called GL. And um, they are uh, Good Night and Good Luck. Are oh, the okay. Yeah. And um, GL is the, the newer one. And they played some songs from, from that. They played um, the song You've Changed, which... Um, I, I liked too that when she was talking about what all these songs mean to her, what, what you know, what they're about. Um, she's, she talked about, um, you've changed about her friend, uh, that changed. Yeah, that's how she put it too. <laughs> yeah. She just said, it's about my friend who, who changed. And, um, I like that she said what, uh, what song, like the name of the song every, like, but before every single song, I'm pretty sure. I think except the very last one, just because she said the last two songs go together. Yeah. And um, I ha- I think, um, let me see, one was Crying About the Planets, and they went into another, they went into another song um, as well. So um, she didn't, like, name what song it, like, went into. But if you go to their info page uh, on on top shelf i'm looking at it now and it says the group self-proclaimed post-country sound combining moments of distortion and a diy aesthetic with a devotion to simple songwriting and ties to americana sounds of years past Uh, yeah i like i love that description i think that's um oh yeah post-country like that's something that like as normally we've been hearing alt country a lot and it kind of has the same uh negative connotation that emo has that people don't want to be associated with it um, for some reason, I guess it's just like anything that becomes trendy or, or becomes like quote unquote a fad or whatever. They don't want to, uh, asso- be associated with it, but post country sounds kind of, yeah. Neat. And I like how they own the fact that they're like, it even says on there, uh, drawing it from influences of, uh, the like down to earthness of Cheryl Crow. Mm. And I like, I like that because it's like definitely uncool to like compare yourself to Cheryl Crow, but I like that this band just 
doesn't really march to anyone else's drum beat really and you may you know if if you're a big lyric snob and i tend to be then um you may if you like heavy deep uh, brooding lyrics you might uh be a little deterred by the uh, sometimes cutesy lyrics or storytelling lyrics that uh rap boys can veer into but i i find it really refreshing i maybe it's sort of a palate cleanser for me but yeah i really i really enjoy them a lot and that's not to say that there's not depth or um or any kind of weight to to the lyrics uh that they they have it's just that they're they're they kind of run the gamut of um being they can be kind of cutesy and a little because sometimes the way she sings is a little bit more higher pitched and a little cutesy and stuff but it's not annoying it's no. just but then it, and then it can get dark and be like you know super sad mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of uh there's a wide range that she covers with their songs that i think pretty much has something for everybody yeah it. i i definitely agree so yeah overall Really enjoyed Rat Boys. Highly recommend seeing them live. Um, and like I said, Kississippi, like Eric said, uh, if um, if you like stuff like that, kind of kind of bedroom dream pop, um, it has a, a, a very um, sweetly sounding lady singer. Uh, they're very uh, progressive in the way that they um, they're they're really behind a, their stance in. Um, in lgbtq rights uh their keyboardist who's also in a band called hit like a girl was uh talking about a a program that they had a table at the show uh, called the zebra coalition that helps uh youth basically questioning youth um you know trans gay lesbian youth um have access to to things they need to have access to um and and that sort of thing it's it's like an after school program for (laughs) um you know for for the youth and that's in orlando and that's really cool that they brought these folks there to to talk about that and um the the person in kississippi was talking about about them and then later when we saw uh, Foxing, Foxing stopped their show and, and brought up um, a person, I believe their name was Mary, uh, came up and, and explained about about the program. So if you do live in Orlando, uh, check out the Zebra Coalition. They had pins and stuff that you could get a pin with your pronoun if you want to you know, identify as they or them or he or she. Um, that way somebody doesn't have to ask uh, how to identify you you could wear the pin. So that's pretty neat. And, um, I really liked that Foxing was about that. They, they didn't really talk at the last two shows. I saw them, uh, opening for brand new. And when I saw them, uh, headline and play with Oh Brother, mm-hmm. they didn't really like, especially their singer didn't talk. Their bassist did, who's no longer in the band, but he makes their music videos. Josh call, um, if you saw any of like like night channels or um, the the new video that's like a sci-fi video where he has the plant attached to him, uh, Connor does the singer. Uh, Josh Call did those, so he's no longer in the band, but he's doing film for them. Uh, he talked a lot, but this time was totally different. It was like a 180. Um, after Rap Boys played. Um, we we had to wait till around eight fifteen, so late Not for right. for um, foxing to go on, and um, you know they're setting everything up, and I'm like, 
wow, that, you know, we're kind of stuck down at the, in front of the stage, like where you're like almost on the stage and they're putting all this stuff out. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is way more stuff than they used to have. Pedal boards. Some like gear. Uh, yeah. Um, smoke machine. Another, a lady came out and uh, who is now part of the band or at least part of their touring setup. And she had a computer and um, keyboard and a saxophone. And she, she played those. And they just had a lot more a lot more set up here with them on this tour, which is great. I'm, I'm super happy for them. And it sounded great. Everything just looked incredible it was an incredible performance Mm -hmm. and you know as much as i was like "Eh, i'm not like 100 percent on near my god like everyone else is i there's a few tracks that i've really fallen head over heels with but um some i i haven't really warmed up to as of yet but um that being said like seeing them live is totally it's just totally like endears you to them yeah they're definitely a band that if you're on the fence you need to see them live because i i am definitely more in the camp that you know i'm definitely more of a fan than i was beforehand yeah and then like you said as people they were making jokes and and they brought this uh zebra coalition on stage and you know just caring about things and how much they just kept thanking everyone and how uh, in so much disbelief they were that they were able to keep doing this. This is their um, third record, and they didn't. You know, there was a time when they were like, "I don't know, is this going to work? Are we going to be able to do this as a living?" And there, you can tell they're just legitimately blown away that they're able to um, flourish, as, you know, as a as a band and mm-hmm. do this for a living. And they were just seemed so thankful and. I, I really liked that, and um, I it really warmed me to them. Um, not that I'd cooled over the years; it's just I was so in love with uh, their uh, their first album, album the Albatross, and I I liked Dealer, but I felt like they were kind of going in a little bit different direction. But um, yeah, seeing them live is just a game changer. They're they're incredible live, and um, everything the lights just the fan interaction everything is is was just so great and i left being like oh my gosh I, they got me I, I just i love that band they're a great live band so can't say enough good things about uh seeing foxing live and they seemed really gracious to have kississippi and rat boys on the tour they I were was like, just gonna say that like that's one thing that i did really appreciate uh their singer doing was that he kept reiterating that guys like don't let this be the last time you listen to yeah. these bands. Like, go check them out. And I think having the frontman of the headlining band prod—I don't know if prod's the right word—but encourage uh, these people. Which there were a lot of younger people there, and that you know, younger people just generally are more influenced or easier, more easily influenced. Yeah. And so to have somebody that you like. You know, you really like this band, so you're, like, right there in front. Like, there were some girls in front of us that were there the whole time, like, right in front. and With you, the X's on their hands, so right, they were definitely... They were yeah. Uh, they were there to see Foxing, and it's like, so you have the, the, the band that you're there to see represent over and over that you need to go listen to these bands some more. Yeah. That and, really helps a lot, and, and I, I appreciated that. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, and just that, um, and it came from Connor, which it seems like, you know, the young ladies always sort of, like, um, you know, they always they always just want to talk to and 
see Connor and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, I always try to, uh, pay attention to what the entire band's doing and be friendly to the entire band because it, they are kind of one of those bands that has a very enigmatic singer. So people are drawn to him and, and I think a lot of young ladies are, but I think in that case, it was important to have him be the one to, to say that. Cause, um, you know, it really helps out the, uh, the smaller touring bands and mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm really excited to see what, Kississippi does who's going to snatch them up on um the state side as far as labels go um what what rap boys are going to do all kinds of stuff it's, it was just a it was a really cool show um some of our friends were there we hadn't seen in a while um got some sweet ass tacos after so I don't that, know. I don't know if describing some th- food as sweet ass tacos, <laughs> sweet ass tacos, like that. Just I don't think that's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, the place the place is called Gringos Locos, so um, I don't know. It's a free for all when you have a when you have a name like that. Yeah. You can describe them however you I want. Mean, crazy I mean, white we're people. Crazy white people. So. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, thanks uh, so much for sticking it out with us here. Thanks to Eric for being. Uh, on the show, sharing his thoughts and um, reveling in in that awesome live show that we were uh, lucky enough to go see. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks again to Top Shelf Records uh, for being sweethearts. Uh, we we genuinely love love the label. Mm-hmm. Uh, check them out, topshelfrecords.com. Uh, Rat Boys, you can see all their stuff on there. I think their um, website's ratboysband.com. Yeah, it is. Um, Kississippi has uh, Bandcamp, some other stuff. Um, Kississippi PHL, like for Philadelphia, is their uh, Instagram handle. So support these bands. Check it out. Uh, check out the new Tony Clark. Uh, check out the new Basement that I talked about earlier. Uh, yeah, check it all out. Check out Eric's podcast, Turtle Soup Show. Yep. Uh, even if you don't like the Ninja Turtles, um, it's very entertaining. So, um, yeah, well, thanks. Yeah. We try. Um, where, where can they find that? Turtlesoupshow.com. And we're also on uh, iTunes and should be everywhere. Podcasts are, are downloaded or found. Whatever. Cool. Cool. Thanks so much for following the show, listening to to this show. Um, If you have a moment, please, please, please go and subscribe and uh, leave us a little star rating. It's anonymous. Um, Hopefully it's a good one, though. I mean, I shouldn't say it's anonymous. Well, that's why you say go uh, go leave five stars. (laughs) Yeah, go leave five stars, please, because um, uh, it really helps the podcast get to a wider audience. So, yeah. So, other than that, I'm going to play a... Rap Boy song, because y'all got to hear this band. We're going to go ahead and play um, the first song I ever heard by them. It's the one that Eric mentioned. It's uh, their singer, Julia, talked about. Um, it's about their cat passing away and being in the freezer because it was too muddy to bury, bury it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're from Chicago, uh, but they actually, she said she grew up in Louisville, but that sounds like a Louisville thing. Yeah. I was going to say that sounds like a Louisville thing. So yeah. So, uh, without further ado, here's, uh, Elvis is in the freezer. Thanks so much for listening until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.